Hey everyone, welcome to the Relatable Real Estate Podcast. We're two young realtors that talk everything real estate while keeping it relatable. I am Daniel and today we have a very special guest. He has around 30,000 followers on TikTok and hosts the second biggest podcast at Stonehouse Realty, of course, just right behind ours. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Connor, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a pleasure. I know we've... Uh, Kate and I actually planned this for a while. We always wanted to invite you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, finally have some time and um, we're glad you're here. Well, I'm delighted to be on the Relatable Real Estate Podcast. There you go. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I don't want you to get too much into detail because mm-hmm. we're going to get into it in the podcast. But just uh, for people that don't know you, who's Connor? Yeah, so I was a plumber basically right out of high school. You know, I got out like June 16th, I think is the last day of high school. And then I was in my plumbing course by like July 6th or something like that. So I was still 17 when I started plumbing and then did that for almost nine years before I saved up enough money where, you know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't enjoy that job and it's nothing against plumbers or whatever, but I was never a mechanical guy. Like I didn't get anything from like, you know, putting some pipes in the wall and being (laughs) like, that's beautiful. Like it's flush, (laughs) it's it's level. Like it didn't do anything. Just dreaming about it. Yeah. It didn't do anything for me. Right. And even like people, you know, like trucks and cars and whatever, and listen to that V6. And I just (laughs) like, it doesn't do anything for me. Right. So it wasn't my passion. So I saved up enough money, went into real estate, which is my passion because I love investing. I love finance. I love the idea of having financial freedom and everything. And um, actually got into real estate investing when I was about 22 or 23 would have been my first investment property. And then um, just fell in love with it. And then I just realized I was like, hey, I actually like know quite a bit about this. Maybe I should just be a realtor because everybody yeah. that I listened to who I like look up looked up to at that time were real estate agents at one point. And then right. they gradually kind of transitioned out of being a realtor into like full-time influencer or whatever, right? So got my real estate license, hit the ground running, and um, yeah, not not going back basically is the uh, end story. Awesome, dude. Yeah. No no more putting pipes or no. Uh, yeah. No more well, hopefully I mean, <laughs> unfortunately you can you can take the the plumbing out of you, but the you can take you out of the plumbing, but you can't take the plumbing yeah, out of you because everybody has two three plumbing issues a year, so I'm still fixing stuff I know. around that. I house. even asked you the like last year I was like Bro, I think I turned only my hot water off or something. I was like scared that something was gonna blow up. So yeah, I know people still probably ask you all the time. All the time, all the time. <laughs> and even like for clients, they've had plumbing issues. Like my oh, listing, yeah. I'm like, I'll just fix it. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, but dude, yeah, on that topic, it's awesome that you mentioned you bought your property when you're pretty young, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely something we're gonna be talking about. But most of our listeners, they're first-time home buyers or they're like young people. They're trying to get into the market. And the main thing about our podcast is that we're trying to be relatable to young people nowadays, right? In the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that you, you do a lot of videos on TikTok. And, uh, you know, most people assume that a lot of the, the audience on TikTok is pretty young people, right? Yeah. So a, a question that I had for you was, is that really the case? Is, like most people reaching out to you on TikTok, are they like young people? Are they like first time home buyers? Or is it like completely different? Honestly, no. Like, oh, really? I haven't dealt with a lot of first time home buyers. Oh. Maybe like five or six first time home buyers. Really? Most of the people oh. that reach out to me are actually investors, like sec- like maybe first time investors, but right. it's not their first home, right? And you'd be surprised the demographic that's on TikTok. Like hmm. most of my clients are in their forties. Like that's really? most of my clients. That and those are the people that reach out to you from TikTok. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, first time home buyers, like it's, 
Um, I love working with first-time home buyers, obviously. Yeah. Right, but it's uh, yeah, I just there's not too many of them that I've gotten through TikTok. Even even most of the first-time home buyers that I've dealt with are just like friends. And stuff right. Like that, that right? makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting, man. I, you know, I was expecting something a little bit different, right? Especially TikTok, everyone's like, oh, it's like teenagers like dancing and stuff, right? But no, that's interesting. It's like mostly investors. Yeah. But in the case of the five or six first-time home buyers that you worked with, uh, what were some of the biggest challenges they had, especially with young people? It's just finding something that they like, right? Because I mean, the typical sales cycle of a first-time home buyer is they're like they want something that is out of reach. Right. Right. And then they find out that, Oh, we can't get that. Our budget's actually lower or what they thought they could get. You know, the price is getting bid up every week. They can't find something they like. And then eventually they realize like, okay, the first house I live in, I'm not probably not going to like this house. Right. And I'm just going to have to suck it up and live here for three to five years and climb the equity ladder. Right. So it's just getting people to the point where they understand that like, Hey, your first house is probably going to suck right you're not going to love your first house but that's not the point of the first house right right? the point of the first house is to stop paying rent pay down a mortgage build equity and then sell that and move up into the next home or if you can keep it rented out and just buy the next one right so um yeah it's just you know bringing people to that understanding that the the a lot of the time what you're trying to do isn't realistic and you that's the wrong mindset to have right? right the mindset isn't i need to love this house it's I'm trying to make money with this house is basically that's the mindset. Right. So you right. can accumulate some equity and then eventually move to something bigger, right? Exactly. I think that's, uh, you know, it's, I think one of the reasons why we're so excited to have you on the podcast is because in one of the videos that you did, uh, you talk about how when you buy your first property, you're pretty young still, mm-hmm. and uh, you commuted from Abbey to Vancouver, right, every day. So that's something that you're just talking about, like some of the sacrifices, right? Yeah. The first house is not going to be exactly what you're looking for. So uh, tell us a little bit, like when you're, you know, 23, I think 22, 22. I was 20, I was 22 when I got my first. 22. Yeah. So tell us like a lot of people that watch our podcast around that exactly that age, right? Like what are some of the sacrifices that you, you made and were they worth it? Yeah. So I, first off, everybody says travel when you're young. I completely disagree. And that's yeah. probably going to piss off a lot of people that have already <laughs> backpacked around Europe and Thailand. But I, <laughs> I have a completely, you know, counter argument to that. So, you know, I would say don't travel until you've got your first home or you're in the career that you love and you're happy doing what you want to do. Because if you, you know, when you travel for a year or six months or whatever, not only are you spending the money to do that, but you're also not making money while you're doing right. that. Right. And then that's, you know, if, if you're, if you're losing 50, 60 grand doing that by not working and spending money, how long do you think it takes you to save up that money? Oh yeah. 50, 60 grand. Like most people would be lucky to save like $8,000 in a year. Right. It's going to take you like eight years to get that money back. It just doesn't make, make any sense. Right. So the first thing I did was basically no traveling. The second thing I did was work minimum 50 hours a week. Right. But as high as I think the most I ever worked was about 87 hours in one week. And I did night shifts on call shifts I, you know, I had a company vehicle, so I just drove that as much as I possibly could. So I wasn't using my own gas. Getting that free gas. (laughs) I I drove a beater 2007 Ford F-150 for six years that I bought for 10 grand, right? On a line of credit and then paid it off in six months. Yeah. On top of the money I was making at my day job, I was also doing side work. 
Right. And I didn't spend money on clothes or, you know, everyone was buying fuel tires and lifting their truck and I wasn't doing that. And people were buying, you know, freaking Bose sound system. <laughs> and I didn't do any of that stuff. Right? right. I literally just made money and all the money that I made went into my bank until I bought my first place. Right. Right. So I was making 26 bucks an hour and I think I made about $96,000 when I was 21. So you know, do the math on that. My salary should have been like 50 something thousand bucks and it was 96,000 at the end of that year. Right. right. So that's how much I worked to be able to make this happen on top of living frugally and paying for nothing uh, and like spending money on nothing. And then on top of that, I still couldn't even buy a place where I wanted to live. Right. I mean, I was, a, I was approved for like 400 or something like that, right. but I didn't want, I wanted to have money left over so I could invest mm. after paying my mortgage. So I said, yeah, I could max out my approval and buy something here, but instead I'm going to go to Abbotsford and I bought a 1980s apartment with no in-suite laundry. Right. And even after paying my mortgage and everything, I was still saving about 1500 bucks a month to my salary or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so then after a year of doing that, I could literally buy my next investment property, right. which, which was a $150,000 detached home in Windsor, Ontario. Right. But the moral of the story was it sucked for three to five years, right? right. But the time's going to pass either way. Right. So you might as well, you know, just get it over with, right? Because everybody's so short-sighted. They feel like three to five years is a long time, and there's no way we should have to do that. Right. You know, if I should just, like, <laughs> get a free house in Coal Harbor, exactly. right? Like, you have – it's going to suck, right? You have to do it. And then once you get your first place, things get easier gradually over time, right? right? Like – that place that I bought, the two-bedroom, would have rented for 1000 bucks a month when I bought it. Now it rents for 2100 Right. My mortgage stays the same. Exactly. Right? My mortgage, I think, is $300 more than when I bought the place because I just renewed. But right. rent has doubled. So exactly. Now, if and I you have wanna, all the equity, too. And I have all the equity. So now when I – like, I'm actually looking for another place right now to move into. So when I buy the next place and move into that one, when I rent out this condo, that one's going to be cash flow positive now. Exactly. Which you wouldn't have the opportunity to do if you were renting. Rent right. just goes up. And you don't get those options given to you if you're renting, right? Like, people say, you know uh, – it's cheaper to rent right now than it is to buy. Yes, that's true. But you're never going to have options if you continue to rent. At oh, least absolutely. if you buy, you have a chance of getting options in the future. Right. And, and what you said as well about, you know, not traveling and making that sacrifice for three years. I'm sure now you're what, like 28? Yeah. Yeah, you're 28 now. You bought your first property. You already have an investment property. Uh, might have other properties as well. And then once you start cash flowing, you can use that money or, I mean, even if you're not cash flowing yet, but you have the equity that you can, you know, travel, you, you know, that, you know, you can go travel and come back and you still have a, a place, exactly. right? So you have all that security in mind. And I think that's what a lot of people have to kind of understand, especially young people is that again, like you said, right? It's not, the government will not let you buy a place downtown Vancouver for 300 grand. doesn't matter how many years you wait. doesn't matter how many crashes you think you're going to happen. Yeah. It's just not going to happen, right? No. So I think what you said about making those sacrifices for, you know, three years, working that overtime, right? I think that's, like, really important. Yeah, and it's it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I get so much heat, as you guys know, for, right. say, for saying this. Every time I say this <laughs> stuff, it's just like I just get lit up by, like, 200,000 yeah. people on TikTok. <laughs> but it's just like – you can do it. It's not impossible to buy a, a home here, right. right? But nobody wants to do what's necessary right. to be able to do it, right? Right? It's like, you know, there's people paying a th three grand a month for a one bedroom in Yale Town, and they don't have their first house. It's like, 
Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> Why? Like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Like, you can get a one bed in, like, Coquitlam for nearly half the price. Like, why <laughs> exactly. are you doing that? Right? Exactly. Well, yeah, I think something you said, too, in one of the videos, I think that's, like, one of my favorite videos that you said. And you got a lot of heat for that one, too. Yeah. Is that you said, you know, Vancouver is not an average city. It's an above average city, right? So you should be, you know, working above average hours. You should be making above average effort in order to afford a home. Right. I yeah. think that 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 totally makes sense. And that's probably the easiest way of explaining like Vancouver prices. Right. Like you said, there's hundreds of thousands of people uh, wanting to move to B.C. specifically. Right. It's, in my opinion, the best part in Canada yeah. uh, to live. So, you know, you have to make that sacrifice if you want to live here. Or again, like you said, another option is and again, Kate and I were talking about this, like Chilliwack, Abbotsford. They have still some really good prices. Right. So, uh yeah, I think that's kind of the the main idea, right? Yeah, and like like you said, like if if Vancouver is an above average city, some people argue that for some reason, but right. I don't know, if you go anywhere around the world, you'll find that oh, yeah. Vancouver is a pretty good city, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh you have to have an above average amount of money. Like it's oh, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it's the prices reflect the reality. Right. Right. But they'll argue and then they'll say that, no, it doesn't. And it's like, you know, and it's the realtor's fault. That it's the realtor's <laughs> fault and it's black money and it's, you know, flippers and speculators and it's this and that. And it's regardless, this is the price, right? This is what you have to do to overcome the fact that that is what it is. Right. right? And if you don't want to overcome that, well, then what are your options? I mean, you can just keep paying the rent and complain. Right. But that's not going to solve your problem unfortunately right like i i wish we could all just do that and the problems would solve themselves but they typically don't right, right. so i mean you could also buy a place in like calgary or somewhere cheaper or you know moncton new brunswick mm. you can get a place for like a hundred thousand dollars and just build equity over there right while you continue to rent here mm. right and then eventually bring that equity over here right. right so i mean there's tons of stuff you could do people just for the most part don't want to do them right do you think right? then the main issue is uh, people uh, believe that they cannot buy. Do you think that's kind of like a, a mindset right now that's going around that, especially young people, they're like, I'm never going to be able to buy. Do you think that's the main issue then? I think it's a, uh, oh, here we go. I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's a coping mechanism is what it is. Interesting. I think they know that if they just did the work, they could do it, but it's just right. easier to just say it's impossible and then that removes all the blame off themselves, right? If it's right. impossible, then it's not my fault. That's true. Right. You can, you can always blame the government, right? But you, you can't blame yourself. Exactly. It's impossible. Right. So obviously if I just do this, this, and this, I won't be able to do it anyways. So I'm just going to not do all of that stuff. And then it's not my fault because it's impossible. Right. 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 And then if you say that, like me, if I actually go and do it, <laughs> well, it's daddy's money and I have like privilege right. or whatever. Right. It's kind of the general consensus on online on TikTok anyways. Right. But, <laughs> I don't mean to be negative. Yes. Like I genu genuinely am trying to tell people like, right. like, dude, this is possible. You can do this. Well, you've done it. Yeah. I, I know. Cause I did it. Right. right. And like, sure. The prices are higher now, but maybe you don't get a two bedroom. Maybe you get a one bedroom. Right. right? Or maybe you go a little bit further into Chilliwack and yeah, it's going to suck for three to five years. Right. But right. like everyone who's for the most part, most people who have accomplished big things have gone through a period in their life that sucks. Right. And that makes sense, right? It would be it wouldn't be as exciting if everything was just super easy, right? Exactly. I think now you can probably look back and and see all the effort paid off, and I think that that's probably like also really rewarding for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. Awesome, man. I mean, in regards to the negative comments, 
that's something that I always laugh at your, your stories as well. Um, anyways, we're not going to get into details of group names or names in general, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we, ha we hear a lot about people talking about a crash, right? Yeah. And especially in your videos, like literally if you look at the comments, it's like not every other comment, but you're going to find like every 15 comments, someone's like, I'm just going to wait for the crash, right? Yeah. I'm, like people think they're like going to predict a crash or it's going to happen. What is your opinion on that? Like, I know that some people have been saying crash for like 20 years, mm -hmm. but uh, what do you think it's like for people that young people that are looking to buy the waiting for that crash? What would you say to them? I mean, we're always at risk of a crash. Yeah. That's life. Like that's the way that's investing. That risk is always there. And in anything you do, there is risk. I could have died in a car accident on my way here. True. Right? I had a, literally had a risk of dying. Okay. Like, does that mean That's I true. shouldn't just like drive ever? Ever? Like, you know what I mean? Just stay at home. Like, like, yeah, there's always a risk of a crash. And sure, right now that risk is probably higher than it's been in the last 20 years or whatever, right? But like I was saying, the point isn't to avoid risk. The point is to mitigate risk. Right. Right. So you know, like I did, instead of maxing out my approval at 400,000, I bought something at 270 for my first place. Right. That way I knew that if the market went down, which it did, by the way, I bought my condo at the literal peak of 2017. I lost my entire down payment within oh, six wow. months. Yeah. Tank, market tanked like 20%. Wow. But yeah. I could pay my mortgage. Right. Right. Because I had a good job and I was, it was very easy for me to keep paying that mortgage and I was putting money away and whatever. Right. So it's not about avoiding risk. It's about mitigating the risk realistically. Like that's, yeah, you know, the market might crash, but keep paying your mortgage and it'll come back. Right. Right. Well, historically, I mean, you right now, probably since 2017, I'm sure your property has gone up in value. Right. Even totally. though in the short term, you're probably not freaking out, but you're a little bit like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think now you probably look back and you're like, oh, like I just got to make my mortgage payments. Now, you know, you probably have a lot more equity your property has gone up in value, right? I think that's that should be the focus of every first time buyer is not thinking the short term. Exactly. Everyone needs to be thinking in the long term and kind of, you know, again, like you said, be responsible with their investment, right? Yeah. Well, and it's like, this is the reality, right? I, I talk about this a lot. Like you are screwed either way. So you mm -hmm. might as well take a chance at not being screwed. Do you think if Canadian real estate crashes and doesn't come back that you are going to somehow not be screwed? Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you're, if you're renting and the real estate market has crashed and it never comes back, like, do you, th do you really think that you are going to somehow like <laughs> beat the economy? <laughs> Single-handedly. <laughs> Single-handedly. Like I was so smart for not buying, but now nobody has a job and the Canadian dollar is insolvent. Like, <laughs> like you're going to be screwed either way. So right. you might as well take a chance at not being screwed. Get yourself in the market and start building equity and whatever, right? Because living in that constant fear cocoon of something bad's gonna happen, something really bad's right. gonna happen, something really bad, like you could do that for literally every sector of your life. You can right. do that for everything. That's true. Right? So, I mean, you just do stuff and, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best is right. basically what you do, right? Plan for the fact that it might crash. But don't sit there and bet all of your egg, put all of your eggs in one basket, banking on a crash. Right. And then when it doesn't, you're, you know, all the people in the Metro Vancouver housing claps <laughs> talking about Great a crash group, by since, the way. since 2015. <laughs> and now prices are up 150%, right? Yeah. You probably don't want to be one of those people in that group. So Well, exactly. Yeah, you see some of the comments in those groups. And it's like two years ago, it's like, 
it's coming. It's going to be a bloodbath in the next like few months or whatever. And then now, you know, for, for the last two, three months, we've seen prices going up again and kind of yeah. things stabilizing. And yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, I think it's, it's what you said. I mean, you know, you have to take the risk again. If it was a, a risk-free investment, right? Everyone in the world would just be doing it all the time, right? Because every investment has some risk, right? Yeah. Of course, again, it's mitigating the risk. It's speaking to like, you know, people that have, are doing this all day, right? That's all we do is like, we look at the market, we see what's going on. So I think we have a pretty good idea of, you know, how to guide people through those steps. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, yeah, mitigating risk and doing the, the smart investment. Yeah, and like, like I said, like, you know, those guys in that group, they're probably going to be right at some point. Oh, yeah. At some day, they'll yeah. be right. Yeah. But if they had you just bought in 2015 right. and didn't listen to all the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, you could have literally been in and out and sold and then you know, probably living mortgage-free somewhere and not even having right. to worry about any of this. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just – I don't think about the bad stuff that's going to happen and – you know this too, especially like in our, our profession, like part of being an entrepreneur is not knowing where you're going, right? but moving forward anyways. Exactly. And yeah. dealing with the problems that surface as they surface. Right. Not worrying about the problems in advance before they actually happen. That's true. Right? No, absolutely. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, man. Uh, well, I think we kind of covered it all. I know that there's so much more that I want to talk to you about, but uh, you know how it is, like, young yeah. people we have short short spans yeah, uh, yeah. attention spans <laughs> right so i think we'll keep it at that uh do you have anything else you want to say like about what you think it's going to happen with the market and advice that you you give to like first-time home buyers or young people that are trying to get into the market other than the ones that we already yeah. spoke <laughs> um, i mean my guess is as good as anybody's guess what's going to happen with the market yeah i mean it's really hard to say i mean what i will say is you know immigration is so high to the point where it's you know our infrastructure can't even support it and the amount of homes housing starts are projected to be down 32 percent below our average by end of year so housing starts are down 32 percent than what they normally are and immigration is up like a lot whatever it is 150 percent right we're bringing in like a million people every year or something like that so you know, supply and demand basics tell me that that doesn't look very good for prices coming down. Right. It looks like prices are going to go up. Right. right. I could be wrong. Maybe some catastrophic event happens or, or whatever. But if we just look at the, you know, the supply and demand dynamics there, that tells me that prices are probably going to go up and they're going to go up fast at some point. Right. right? Awesome. Within yeah. the next two years at some point, I would expect uh, some massive, you know, leg up in prices. Absolutely. Right? Well, yeah, no, I think uh, from the conversation here, I'd say, you know, if you are right now 22 years old, 25 years old, or even 30, really, like, you know, if you are thinking about buying and making that sacrifice, like you said, I think it's still worth it, right? I think, again, if we're seeing these uh, inventory super low, housing inventory super low in general, and immigration, I think it's still worth making that sacrifice for two, three years, right? Eventually, I'm sure you traveled to Europe, you did uh, all your trips, right? Yeah, totally. And, uh, and then it's better to do it with more money too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would exactly. suck to go to Europe and then come back. You have like no money yeah. and you're working in the restaurant for like 10 years to maybe pay your rent, well, right? You, so. you want to be making money while you're there. Right? Exactly. Like you want some, yeah. some passive income right. being generated as you're on vacation. That yeah. way it's just like, you know, 
I'm not working right now, but all of the stuff that's coming in is paying my bills. So right. at least I'm not moving backwards by going on vacation and I can actually enjoy it. Exactly. Right. So that's it, man. That's the, that's the key. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming, Connor. Of course. Uh, if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram, TikTok, or whatever, what's your, what's your at? It's at that agent Kelly. There you go. I'll put it on the description too of the podcast. Uh, if you guys like the episode, make sure to follow us on Spotify. It's Relatable Real Estate Podcast. On Instagram, is Relatable RE Podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll keep bringing people in. And, um, you know, Connor was a special guest here. We've been looking to get him in a while. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for watching. Peace.